0: This is Motley Fool
1: Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is, well, doing our best to stay a little bit balanced and a little bit steady, given what's going on in the markets these days. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me, as always, the doctor is in the house, Dr. Iban Mahati. How are you, Doc? I'm very
2: good. I've got, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Liquid hand gel cleaner with me. In my pocket. (laughs) To fight the virus,
1: but have you got enough toilet paper? That's the real question. Oh,
2: I did buy some. To- I bought the last <laughs> remaining so toilet paper on you know, on the shelves at Coles near my house.
1: So it's your fault. Well, you, was- are the- you are the person who put us out of stock. There of
2: Kohl's. were only few left. I bought everything, <laughs> everything.
1: You each bought whatever you could,
2: them. and now I'm storing them in my car. <laughs> but don't take away. There you
1: go. If you see Doc driving around. Feel free to <laughs> knock on the window and get him a throw roll of a roll of, uh, of Sorbins best. I'm sure it'll be. I'll-, I'll sell them for ten dollars each. Uh, we we have to talk about that, but but let's not let's not start. Ju- <laughs> I swear to God, let's not start just with that. Let's start with something else. Well, it's only, only only just slightly something else. It's about the same story. We are going to talk about a few things, mate, and macro is going to dominate this week's podcast. We should say we're recording this on for Thursday, the 5th of March, uh, so one day earlier than we normally do. So frankly, God knows what happens tomorrow or even today on the market. We'll find out soon. But um, the US was up overnight, 4.2%. Again, by the time you hear this, it'll be old news. Um, but it's just the volatility has been phenomenal. Um, so look, we're going to talk about the macro. We have to, and macro is... Pretty much all about coronavirus, but in a couple of different components. So overnight, as I said, the US S&P was up 4%. On the back of a presidential or a change in the betting markets for the presidential election, Uh, Congress approving some money, and of course, a whole raft of rate cuts right around the world. So we'll talk about that in a little bit of detail, mate. We will talk about a couple of famous and well-regarded investors who are saying, to some degree, it's time to buy a little bit. Another guy is saying, for the love of God, people don't lose your heads." So, and you've already said, mate, that's, uh, you figure it might have even been me on TV, but it was American TV and it wasn't me. It was Jeremy Siegel. We'll get into that. And of course, we will dip into the four-mile bag, mate, because we love doing that stuff. We do. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Now, Fools, before we get started with today, don't forget you can join Doc's service Extreme Opportunities. We have a special deal for our podcast listeners. If you want some great market-beating advice, some great education, and frankly, a little bit of what we do here but with actual stocks uh, and a, a, a tracked Track record? Can I say that? Track, track record? Track In any case, record. It's a it's, it's a full track record since EO was launched. Doc and the team are well and truly beating the market by a very long way. You really want to be part of this. It's a higher risk service, as you'd expect from Doc. If you've been listening for any length of time, he is swinging for the fences, but doing it really, really well. If you want to be part of EO, go to fool.com.au forward slash EO podcast. That's EO for extreme opportunities. His service, fool.com.au slash EO podcast. All right, mate, let's get on with it. We're going to talk... Of course we are. Oh, God. Mate, if, if you'd trademarked the name coronavirus a couple of months ago, you'd be swimming in gold, wouldn't you? You'd be, you would be rich beyond anyone's wildest dreams if you trademarked that term because every week we seem to talk about it. And to some degree, I'm kind of sick about talking about it. I imagine some of our listeners are probably even sick of hearing about it. But things keep changing and that's why we have to keep coming back to it because the, the impact around the world excuse me, in financial markets, in, in real world, of course. And as we, as we always say, the you know, the, the, the human issue is a real one. We've got people dying both around the world and here in Australia um, from coronavirus. So, you know, we, we don't want to make light of the of the health issue. It's a serious issue. But we are still having to talk about it from a financial perspective as well. So let's start here, mate. Um, overnight, as I said, on Wednesday night, Australian time. So we're recording this on Thursday morning, as I said. The US Dow Jones was up, the S&P was up, the NASDAQ was up. The S&P, which is the broadest kind of major market, was up 4.22%, or as someone said, the Dow was up 1,000 points, as if that was somehow mattered. I'll rant about that later. Um, there's a couple of things happened. The first is that US Congress approved $8 billion towards dealing with the coronavirus, and Joe Biden... Pretty much swept the field on what they call Super Tuesday. Ha- went from being—I'm you know, I'm necessarily a big gambler, but I do keep an eye on the, the betting markets because it's a nice way to kind of pick what the punters are saying or thinking about the election. Joe Biden was three dollars fifty, I want to say, for a dollar. Um, Bernie was a dollar twenty, dollar twenty-five. Looked at it this morning as we went came to to record. It's changed completely. Joe Biden is the red, red hot favorite, paying a dollar fifteen or something, and and Bernie's out to about eight dollars ninety-nine bucks. So. That seems to be, that combined with the US Congress approving some money, and frankly, maybe because the markets just fell the day before, a big, big gain on Wall Street.
2: Yeah, so I think to me, the big news was um, the, I mean, putting this election bit aside, because that's, you know, that's still. Um you know, the process still has a, has some ways to go. Yep. Right. So those two guys are gonna fight it out uh for some for some more time. I don't I don't think Sanders <laughs> is gonna More of give the Circus up.
1: to go. Yeah, so more of the circus is gonna happen. Oh, man.
2: Uh Sanders is not gonna give up yet um and things like and other people mm-hmm. you know like uh, i think bloomberg has dropped out yeah and he has endorsed biden so there's gonna be this endorsement of different people mm-hmm. uh happening uh but that is, i think the major news in my my view at least was and this uh, you know uh, was uh, the u.s congress actually acting mm-hmm. uh you, you know this is the funny thing here is because the problem originated somewhere else and the the problem really did not come to the u.s shore Until recently, U.S. has been slow to act. But, you know, like instead of the G7 saying that we're going to do um, some form of collective, you know, financial Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. this is not really a financial crisis, at least not at this point. It's a health crisis. And I would have really hoped that, you know, I'm happy with what they've done. And I think this is the step in the right direction where you're, you know, you're allocating eight or eight billion U.S., Mm -hmm. out of which uh, I think three or some three odd billion is actually for a coronavirus vaccine. I, I think that sort of, you know, collective action mm-hmm. from, say, G7, saying, you know, we are all going to work the work, and, and I think one billion is actually being spent for overseas, you know, remedification and things like that. Right. So I think okay. that that sort of action yeah, yeah. is what you need to yeah, deal right. with the health crisis. Right, right? right? It's not a it's not a financial problem yet it will become a financial problem if you let it continue. So mm. I think that that was good news. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether it's approved yet or not. It seemed like it was almost a done deal mm-hmm. from when I had read, read about it. Yeah, so I think that, that's really good and the markets are reacting maybe positively to it, we are mm. guessing.
1: Um, so it's yeah. House, passed by the US House of Representatives. Donald Trump has said, you'll sign whatever comes out. So, broadly, this is good. It's interesting, though, it's not a it's not an economic stimulus package, as you say. This is very much a, a health package. Yeah. Money freed up from the budget to basically contain as much as possible and to whatever degree possible and treat whatever outbreak ends up in, on U.S. shores. That's probably positive in the sense that the markets are believing, okay, well, this doesn't get as bad as otherwise might without this spending. Yeah. It doesn't yet, though, and you mentioned the G7, it doesn't yet deal with any economic fallout from – just the very simple things like people spending less going out, people not traveling as much, the you know the, the gumming up of the works in China, that bit still remains to, to kind of – well, we don't really know how bad it gets yet or, or frankly how much damage has been done, how much is temporary, how much is permanent, but there's not yet any money being spent by major Western governments at least – on the economic consequences.
2: That, that's right, but but you know, I think the interesting thing is, and I'm no coronavirus expert, but uh, you know, it's a type of flu. Mm. It's a different type of flu for which we don't have a vaccine. or you right, know. Right, right. And the Northern Hemisphere basically is going to be heading into warmer weather and basically flu disappears with the warmer weather. So mm-hmm. I think they're mm-hmm. counting maybe on that. Plus right, I, I think the three billion spent on a vaccine is actually really a good step. Okay. Um, and there is some small stimulus. Actually it's really small if you consider the size of the US. It's only twenty million yeah, US it. for yeah. small businesses, for you know, for I think for continuity or things That's like that.
1: That's a little bit bizarre to me. It's almost too small. <laughs> even, I mean, given yeah. how big the US is. It, 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 it almost feels like one of those the U.S. called they call them mark I mean, added to a bill just to appease some particular yeah. constituency. It feels token more than more than reasonable. That, that
2: right. But the U.S. economy has been, you know, rock solid. It has you know, the unemployment right, right. numbers have been historic at historic lows. Yep. Um, you know, there's they're doing really well on the intangible side of the economy. Mm-hmm. The tangible side of the economy is doing really well. So I mean, you know, it's been a bright spot. Yeah. yeah. In in the developed world, so maybe they don't actually yet need. I really, I mean, I like the strategy. You where you actually look at the data and, and, <laughs> and novel. Uh, yeah, and look at the data and then decide, okay, if the data suggests that there's a slowdown, right, then you do a stimulus, right? You just don't do a stimulus because you think you should be doing a stimulus, yep. right? Yep. Um, so I, I actually really like you know, if I would have bet that if the G7 came out and said, we are together going to spend $15 billion, yeah. the market would have gone up like 10%. Because <laughs> that's what you need yeah. Yeah. right now. Yeah, right. Um, you know, People sense. are still going to the cafe and having coffee. right? Yep. I went to the cof- yep. uh, cafe and had coffee. So.
1: Good man. Well done. Keeping the, uh, the cafe economy afloat. I like it. So, uh, look, that, that takes us very nicely, Matt. So, we Well, actually, I'll talk about them in a second. First, I want to talk a little bit about the stocks that have been hit by coronavirus. We will get to some of the other, other implications. There's... One's a bit of a laugh, although it's a serious gain. Um, so travel stocks, again, we're recording this on Thursday, just to be just put this in perspective for anyone who's hearing me say yesterday and then all of a sudden freaks out that something's happened they haven't been aware of. Um, on Wednesday, we saw, so I own corporate travel shares and Webjet shares for the record, so I'll talk about those that way, but also Flight Centre. These guys got absolutely walloped yesterday, and it's not the first day, right? These guys are down a long, long, long way since their pre-coronavirus kind of coronavirus highs. Um, i got to say I was surprised at the... At the the severity of a one-day drop yesterday. I thought a ten percent fall. It didn't feel like there was enough new news yesterday. I'll get I'll get your thought to that on that in a second. But my my, my broad thought was I get they're down. You could even argue that they could continue to slide just because sentiment continues to be negative. But this was a really big drop on what I thought was not a lot of rational news that would justify a drop of that size. When the market was down a couple of percent, which is you know big, but this was down ten percent. Flights I think it was down four or something again, which was kind of surprising given it's probably the most retail global of the lot but we'll talk about that and then of course on the other side mate I, we'll have a, a bit of a chuckle, the toilet paper companies. Acelio Care, apparently uh, Ryan Newman, one of our colleagues, it was up 12% in two days over the last over this week. So uh, someone's making some money out of this. Woolies and Coles are, uh, are banking, the, banking the bucks, selling out as much as they can get. And uh, it looks like Acelio Care, who is apparently a toilet paper manufacturer, um, making out quite nicely on the deal too. So let, let's start with travel, mate, before we get a little bit silly. What the hell is going on?
2: Yeah, so travel is a, is an interesting case right now, right? I mean, as a precautionary me- measure, a lot of companies are basically cut down on business travel. Yeah, right. Or uh, cut business travel. Oh, really. really? Business cut basically has been postponed for wow. some time. Uh, it, like, I'm personally going to cancel my. You know, we were going to go overseas to Thailand. We're going to cancel that. Okay. Um, in April, I mean, I'm not so scared about say, the coronavirus as right, such. Okay. What I'm really scared about or I'm worried about is being quarantined. Because nah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I think that that's a yeah, big yeah, problem for yeah, people, right? Yeah. You may get quarantined. You may not actually die of it, but you can get quarantined. 14 <laughs> days of quarantine is a big deal for a lot of people.
1: That's well, kind of right. So, so far, China and Iran are the two countries. That are, and is it Italy as well? Well, well uh, you know, the New
2: South Wales Health yesterday, I yep. was reading through this, has a whole list of countries. Essentially, all of Asia right. is listed as countries with... Basically, as high
1: risk, but it's self quarantine when you get home. There's no like they are enforcing the, the the old sort of flights out of Wuhan in China, for example, yeah. on Christmas Island, and uh, you know there were some issues about what, who who were going to let in, who weren't going to let into the country. Yeah. yeah,
2: so basically, if you come from Singapore, I believe my understanding mm-hmm. is that if you show any symptoms that look like flu, then you're supposed to quarantine yourself okay, and okay. report, right? Um,
1: well, some people wouldn't mind being stuck at home for a couple of weeks or forced annual you'll leave. Well,
2: but you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, who, Like, here's the thing, right? You take your suppose you're going to go leave for ten days.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's and right. then you
2: and then you come back and you're now on a forced leave for another 14 days, yeah, that's right. you've actually exhausted all your year's leave correct. count. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it's yeah. actually very unideal in that sense. <laughs> so anyways. That's, so fair. I mean, no, that's fair. that's so fair. So I, okay. I think travel, and there's a funny thing with travel, right? Unlike, <coughs> Unlike some item that you were going to buy now or some mm. service that you're gonna buy now yeah. that gets deferred into the next quarter, which basically means just a pent up demand. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. Travel a lot of travel is actually discretionary or time sensitive, mm-hmm. which means that if it didn't happen now, if there was a mobile world congress happening in Barcelona and that got cancelled, well right. that just got cancelled. It's correct. not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. This year. Yep. Uh, and therefore I think those dollars have actually effectively disappeared. So I think travel has been hit hard for that reason. Um, and sense. and then of course, the question really is how much time is it going to take them to get back to what we'd call the normal state? Yeah. That we That is still shrouded in uh, the unknown, right? Because yeah. we don't know um, what the status is going to be of coronavirus, say, come April, come May, come June, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then I think there's an interesting overlay for travel stocks in australia which have got a significant australian component Mm -hmm. because we will be actually going into flu season unlike the northern hemisphere which is actually exiting flu season we'll be going into flu season so we don't our coronavirus situation is going to be actually completely different from the coronavirus situation for the northern hemisphere Mm. right so again i think some of it might have been justified because there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen in the near term. Now, of course, yeah. you can ask the question, is it worthwhile? Is it is it correct that they have corrected by that much? Right, right. Um, And that, that, that's that's a question. I mean, yeah, I mean, to put it very simply, what I would say is that, you know, if I own travel stock and I think I bought it for the reason that, you know, they're going to be good holds and good buys and good stocks to own for five years, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be selling them. Right. But I'm a bit cautious at this point about adding substantially to any travel position. Yeah, fair enough. Because I just think that there's gonna be a lot more volatility and different people react to volatility in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I'll just add one more thing. A lot of times, what also happens in the stock market is, as David Gardner would say, uh, our co-founder, is that the stocks fall mm-hmm. in general, as if you're riding down the elevator, yeah, right. and then the climb back up is walking up the stairs.
0: So, <laughs> so I think you know
2: there might, in my view, and you know it might sound like I'm a bit t- trying to time the market here, but right. but you know as sort of things stabilize, I think mm-hmm. there'll be opportunities to add. To those stocks, and I I do agree that you know, and we have uh, we have uh, Webjet uh, on extreme opportunities, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does, it is cheap, yeah, right? It Uh, it is, it's (laughs) like, I mean, it is cheap, yeah, yeah. If you look at the stock today, it is objectively cheap, and if the world is not coming to an end, it is objectively really cheap. So, I mean, I mean, that's that side. So, I mean, everybody needs to, I think there's a little bit of a um, how you deal with it personally hmm. a question like it did cross my mind that it's really cheap <laughs> and should i buy some you know i've been this close to saying yeah okay we should buy something <laughs> we should we should yeah, right. you know think about it as a recommendation right but right. but then there's that other side which says well you know it's i really hard, don't know it? how it's, it's really it's hard. hard so how it's going to shake yeah. up there's all yep. this emotional aspect associated yep. with it as well so anyways that's where i stand
1: I like it, mate. I'm I'm going to take a slightly different view to you, and I, and I'll do so with with full disclosure because I actually bought some shovel stocks, and some other stocks last week. So um, it would be both. It's not just want me to not share <laughs> and disagree with you. I'm um, also to I hear on the grapevine. Our listeners don't mind us sister growing. They reckon it, it's useful or maybe entertaining or maybe just enjoy our discomfort. I'm not sure which. Um, so look, I think I think we actually agree most of the, most of the way across. Um, I was happy to add some put some money to those companies just because I, I do think they're cheap, and, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of what the market discounts are looking like at the moment from a couple of, of, of thinkers but I will steal some of our own thunder um, just to add that to my mind I, I you know I have a cast iron stomach for volatility as you do um, and I was looking out five years and saying well hang on if I think Webjet or corporate travel or you know any Flight Center Company X whatever it was um, if I think that that company is going to do as much business in 2025 as I originally did think it was going to do and if, the, if in the meantime it's a bit more volatile and frankly a bit worse than I thought it was going to be then it doesn't necessarily mean I shouldn't be investing. In fact, if I still believe the chance of the 2025 earnings are the same but the price is cheaper then there's no reason not to buy or to add more. So I did that. Um, time will tell whether I'm <laughs> I, was, I was brave or foolish. Um, that's lowercase F, foolish. Thank you, not not the, not the uh, capital F, foolish. Uh, we'll see whether I was right or wrong. But that, that was basically my thinking, mate, was just, you know, just it to, to exactly that point, it just looked too cheap not to buy. Um, and so I bought. Again, time will tell. Frankly, I'm also down, by the way, so far. So, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to pick the bottom. I never can or will. I don't think either of us think it's possible to do that. Um, so, I, you know, I was very aware that it might fall. It was simply a matter of, okay, if you know to use Buffett's thing, and I, I know I probably overquote Buffett, you'll tell me, um, you know, investors if they're going to close the doors for five years, so quite literally. If if you said to me you can buy now and you can't look in for five years, then the emotional toll is much less than seeing share prices jump all over the place over the last couple of weeks and probably over the next couple, I dare so too. What about toilet paper, mate? You buy? You, are you buying uh, toilet paper manufacturers on the um, on the basis of the panic that's going on?
2: No so I think that the toilet paper thing is really it's really interesting because mm-hmm. I mean at the calls that I went to the only thing that was completely sold out was toilet paper. <laughs> Plenty of cereal available. Like, I mean, if, if you are preparing for doomsday, I would think the things that you would buy oh, man. are, you know, dry food, cereal, oh. you know, maybe some noodles, maybe some pasta, <laughs> um, and maybe long-life milk, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, or if you're lactose intolerant, then you know, some other variant like soy mm-hmm. or something. But everybody's buying toilet paper. Yeah. So... <laughs> And and the funny thing with toilet paper is this, here's the thing, supply chain (laughs) disruption does not impact toilet paper. Most of the toilet paper we get is actually manufactured in this country, right? And I'm sure if uh, uh, we can't manufacture it because the entire plant is shut off because of Mm -hmm. toilet paper Mm -hmm. uh, or because of coronavirus, I'm sure some other country will sell us toilet paper. Um, That's true. Yeah, but uh, the other funny thing is on Amazon, I I I was checking up the toilet paper prices. some people were trying to sell like toilet paper for like (laughs) ten times the
1: price. So,
2: uh, you know, capitalism lives. Capitalism (laughs) lives. (laughs) So so so, I just went to see you know um, hand disinfectants. Um, Each bottle (laughs) was selling for thirty five bucks. Thirty five bucks. You know, here is oh, the thing: man. you could just wash your hands nicely, and it'll do the same
1: I trick. I know it's bizarre, isn't? It? There is, it and look, you know what? So, I I am going to say, mate. Look, I, you know, I've I've poked fun on Twitter. Um, and we'll give our socials in a minute about about the toilet paper. Um, I don't know what to call it. Toilet paper apocalypse. I think I, I called it in an email recently. Um, I, I find the whole thing just just completely bizarre and over the top. Uh, that being said, I think there is also a reminder that. Uh, as we look at people do that. It's also wise to think those same people are also possibly, probably, maybe investors. And frankly, even if they're not the same people, the same biological urges, the same evolutionary kind of designs that lead us to do those things, impact us across the rest of our lives. And so to some degree, I'm not saying one is the same as the other necessarily. What I'm saying is the same brains, the same emotions, the same temperaments, the same innate behaviors we've learned for tens of thousands of years um, for our evolutionary past, but in fact, probably some of that's baked in for millions, right? If you think about our, our, the reptilian parts of our brains and that kind of stuff, that, that's just kind of, you know, we're just so ingrained to do stuff like this. Um, now, it's, it seems like it's a particularly Australian thing to hold toilet paper, at least in the US, they Getting food and stuff, which to me makes a whole lot more sense. Um, also, funny too, the whole second order effect stuff, right? So, I know there. Are, we, uh, my wife and I have talked about this, and I think I said this to you guys this week. I, I think the whole to- hoarding toilet paper thing is silly, but to your point, mate, because you look at the shelves and go, "Hang on, there's none there." How long are they going to be out for? how How long is this panic going to go on for? How you know how much toilet paper gets stockpiled before people sort of you know get back to normal? At some point, you think, well, hang on, if I run out of toilet paper on the weekend. And I go to Willis and I can't find it. I don't want to be that guy who comes home and says, sorry, honey, we've got to use the the newspaper, right? So, you know, at some point, the second order impact is everyone else is panicking. So I guess I should get some just to make sure I've got it if I need it because of the panic. And you get this really bizarre, just, you know, turtles all the way down kind of thing where it just gets (laughs) almost silly. It's almost, it feels a bit Monty Python esque, I have to say. There's there's, there's an element of farce about it, surely. Should we move on from the toilet paper? I think we should move on from toilet paper. I think we probably should too. Stand by.
0: Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple
1: M. All right, mate. So look, there is another part of the coronavirus drama and it kind of comes down to the financial, I was going to say financial markets, not even that. It comes down to cash and it comes down to the price of cash. And for those who already worked out where I'm going, it comes down to interest rates. Now, Our RBA, uh, Governor Lowe and his team cut rates by 25 basis points on Tuesday afternoon our time, was the first central bank in the world, reasonably quickly followed by the US and Canada, who doubled the the cut for good measure. So we dropped 25 basis points or 0.25%. The US Fed and the Bank of Canada went down 0.5 each from memory. Um, uh, To some degree, this is clearly... I mean, the, the the RBA said as much. I don't know if the Fed said as much, but I'm pretty sure they did, or at least that's how the market assumed. I'm sure assumed correctly. This was to some degree the old economic shot in the arm, or at least intended to be. Um, the sense that we talked about economics before and the fact that governments haven't yet found money for economic stimulus. They've certainly dealt with the health issue, which is far more important and, and certainly should be the first order. To some degree, central banks seem to be saying, well, this could go badly. And just in case it's going to, Let's kind of give the patient a little bit of antibiotics now rather than have to have on an IV drip later. What do you make of the the, the, the ongoing, frankly, because there'll be more, rate cuts around the world?
2: Yeah, so I'm of the view that, you know, the rate cuts were actually unnecessary. Right. <laughs> um, largely because right now, I don't think there's any proof yet that, it, you know, um, our economies have, slowed down remarkably. Um, yes, China has slowed down uh, a lot. Uh, mm. But, you know, do we have any proof that the US economy or the Canadian economy or the Australian economy is actually materially worse off right. right now? Right now, maybe they're trying to get ahead of the problem. That's fine. But, I mean, in Australia, for example, you know, rates are pretty much close to zero.
1: Not far Basically,
2: up, right? Governor uh, Lowe has exhausted his ammunition. Yeah. In other words, if something actually bad happens mm. he's got very little ammunition now left he's gonna he has to do uh, something unconventional right which I don't know whether it works or not right so I'm, I'm actually really disappointed it's
1: European pretty quickly right
0: yeah
2: I, Negative you know and, or, and, 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 yeah. and you know it could become like Japan uh, where you know for you you know you're in years of stagnation because you've had poor policy decisions right uh, Right. I'm not gonna put all the blame on him but you know I've, I've just held the view that all of his rate cuts are um, misguided to some extent mm. because um, they're they're not addressing the real problem, right? If the economy is not going, then there are some stru- uh, growing. Then there are some structural issues that need to be addressed. Maybe mm. the government needs to do something in terms of you know uh, a fiscal stimulus, for example. Right. Um, yeah, and, and the same thing too with the Fed. Like I mean, the Fed. You know, as I have as I alluded to in the very beginning, the problem really wasn't. Um, it 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 is a health crisis. We need to realize that. Right. And and I think the as I said, you know, the way the markets reacted, if the if the government basically came out and said we are going to spend one billion dollars to protect Australians, yep. that's a much better response than saying oh the central bank now needs to cut the rate and i think the u.s too didn't need to cut the other thing i'll say is that rate cutting is a relative exercise right um i mean we cut rates by 0.25 the u.s cuts rate by 0.5
1: yeah
2: in effect we're actually kind of worse off in some sense in a relative basis to go to
1: currency basis correct yeah
2: on a currency basis so the other thing i didn't like about this rate cutting was that there was no need um there was an opportunity, maybe, to wait and see what the other guys are going to do, mm. and maybe, maybe they all talk to each other, and therefore they knew what they were going to <laughs> do. So, so I don't know how much they disclose yeah, each other's decisions. But I, I mean, you know, the Bank of Canada basically said, well, the U.S. cut by mm-hmm. 0.5, we're going to cut by 0.5. So now we're we are again to. back to even at yeah, least right. on a on a currency basis. Well, Australia is not back to even. So I, you know, yeah. my, my view is again, should have waited, seen, and should not have cut those rate, made those rate cuts that were done in the past because, mm. well. Actually, he can't cut more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that, that's the problem. And uh, yeah, so I, I think yeah, on a policy front, on a um, on a stimulus front, I think we are um, slightly worse off.
1: Yeah. Mate, you, and I, you and I have spoken in, in the past um, back and forth about whether the the RBI sure should not have cut, and you have a different slightly different view to me. Though we both agree that they shouldn't have had to cut, and maybe we can we can find some agreement there. Um, I'm going to get on a mini high horse for a second, mate. I I find it astonishing that – look, I, I'm a big fan of independent central banks. I think I think it's the right thing to do, given how politically partisan and short-term our politicians always, often are from both sides of the government. I'm not, I'm not bagging one party or the other. They're both as bad as each other. So they're, they're way too short-term. They're way too – um, all that now and right now before the next election and do something you know, putting, putting the treasurer back in charge any treasurer back in charge would be a stupid thing that being said our economy is be- like it's, it's being driven with one foot hard on the brake and one foot hard on the accelerator the RBA is at rate levels which are just stupidly low as you've rightly pointed out there's absolutely no excuse for rates to be this low except that in Governor Lowe's defence to some degree and you and I disagree a little bit on this but he feels like he has to now whether he should or not is a different question because the feds aren't doing anywhere near enough Again, they've got got the other foot stamped hard on the brake, right? The the move to a budget surplus or a balanced budget is contracting the economy at exactly the same time. The RBA is doing its absolute best to helicopter Ben Bernanke style, throw money at people to try and get them to spend, try and do things. Um, and it just drives me completely bananas. I was on Ben Fordham's show on um, on 2GB and apparently around Australia this this week. Um, you know, yeah, he, he said to me, if you're going to give advice to the Prime Minister, what would you say? And I said, I said, Prime Minister, please start spending. if you if you believe that unless you unless the RBA is completely wrong and stupid, and again, what they should what they do or should do is different. If their assessment is completely wrong, then that's one thing. If you believe their assessment is right, I don't know of any economist, frankly, serious economist who doesn't think their assessment is right about the potential weakness of the economy, to not do anything at all at a government level to say, well, I guess you'll have to deal with it, Phil, because we're over here trying to you know balance the budget in a time when the ba- you know Keynesian economics says or Keynesian economics says that you know you spend when things are tough and you save when things are better. This is the time the government should be out spending. We should have we should have interest rates of one and a half percent and a budget deficit of one and a half or two percent of GDP. Right, that should be the right balance where you say rates only need to be stupidly low; they cause asset price bubbles like house prices or frankly share prices if they get a bit out of control. You know, if they're just being blown up by cheap money, that's a terrible, terrible thing when there are other tools available to government in particular to take the pressure off the RBA in the first place.
2: Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that, you know, if say you Tech Sydney, for example, right, just look at the roads. The roads are congested. Just spend right. on building bigger roads <laughs> that's a very simple thing right but it does a whole lot of stuff because a you know it makes people's lives more efficient you know it the construction company makes money the uh-huh. the, the the people working there make money and it's actually societally useful right, right? Yeah. Uh, build new schools build you know yep. increase the capacity of hospitals do all these things which actually give you long term right,
1: right. benefit yeah, yeah. Build, build right and, and to your, the other thing is you know for all those things you just said you're dead right the other thing is those people who've got jobs those companies who make profits they go to their owners or the or the, the, the wage earners. they go and spend that money So it doesn't stop with the person who, who builds the road right they then go to the chemist they go to the supermarket they, they buy more toilet paper because <laughs> that's what we do these days um, don't worry about bitcoin mate the future all toilet paper um you know that that's that's how the, the old multiplier effect you know they go and spend in the supermarkets the supermarket hires another worker so that person goes and spends in the chemist so the chemist hires another worker so that person goes and buys a you know some clothes so that they employ someone at the importers i mean these things are circular by definition adding some stimulus to the economy. it's just an, isn't it a no-brainer i don't understand what the government is honestly thinking that they are so either willfully or ignorantly blind to the circumstances they're trying to contract you know that part of the economy at a time when the RBA is going full pelt to try and do its best to keep things afloat,
2: yeah, and and I think as you, as you said, right? I mean, what we are trying to do is we're basically trying to keep the economy driven entirely on consumer spending, right? Yeah, wh- yeah, yeah. which shouldn't be the case because again, if you you know, as you said, all the multiply effect, you know, it, it also hasn't ha- it also actually happiness index. People are going to be less right, you know, right. stressed because the traffic is better on the roads totally. yep. right yep. so um yeah uh, i i think yeah this
1: is bizarre that's the productivity all the things, are to say all we the need. things yeah. yeah you know
2: yep. i think there's a lot of infrastructure infrastructure actually is a long-term asset that you know is not just multiplies in the short term it also multiplies over the long term so yeah yeah it, it is um it, it's a bit
1: weird crazy now mate i've got to ask you so we talked about the central banks when we when we mentioned this this morning when we're doing our I'll call it our planning meeting. While we sat and had coffee and had a chat, um, you said, "Can I talk about the banks?" And I said, "Yeah, I guess you can." So right now, I'm supposed to ask you according to my script in front of me. So the interest being cut, doc, what does it mean for our banks? <laughs>
2: you, they, they, you'd never stick to. So what have we talked about? We have bagged uh, the governor, then we bagged the government. Like you're going to try to send me to Christmas Island, like you know, like I mean. And now I'm going to bag the banks. Nobody's going to give me a loan. This hey. is like conspiracy. <laughs>
1: Okay. I, won't re- I won't repeat the description you gave me of the banks this morning. I'll let you simply state it in, the, in, the, in whatever appropriate terms you, you want. But I don't think anyone listening to us now honestly believes you didn't want to have an opportunity to bag the banks.
2: Well, well, here's the thing. I, I think actually the <laughs> banks, uh, for a change, <laughs> at least the big ones, <laughs> actually did something which was good for the country.
1: Oh, man. They didn't in have a way. choice, did they? Uh, <laughs> they, they the Could <laughs> you imagine them not? They missed the coronavirus. Could you imagine them So you're talking about, of course, them passing on the full 25 yeah, basis yeah. point so rate cut. For the first time in a little while, the, the, each of the banks have kind of taken their opportunities, I think, mm. to kind of have their little bit of, you know, take take a little bit of profit on the way through. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I did also post on Twitter that, you know, what was, what was the phrase? I, I half jokingly at 10 o'clock on the morning of the the rate cut decision. Posted to you guys on Skype and said something like, "You know, the Prime Minister will call on the banks to do the right thing by Australians," and that was exactly the phrase that was reported the Herald a couple of hours later, so if I'm not here next week, it's because uh, Scott Morrison's me as his speechwriter. Right. I don't think it's going to happen somehow, but apparently, apparently, it's possible. Um, they did pass on the 25 basis point cut, which is wonderful for you and I as as mortgage payers, owners, holders. What does it mean for the bank's shareholders?
2: It really means bad days are ahead. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So here's here's how the banks work, right? Um, if if uh, you're a saver and you've got a deposit, uh, a savings account, then on that savings account, you get some interest, mm-hmm. right? In fact, the day the rate gets cut... The first thing that the bank cuts immediately, almost instantaneously, is is the savers, right? And then it takes two weeks to actually (laughs) pass on the cut to the mortgage holders. Funny that. Right? So that's the two weeks they make some extra money. (laughs) But here's a small problem. Most of the savings accounts now are either at zero or close to zero. Yep. Well, unless they're going to start charging people for keeping money in the bank which i hope they won't you know in in the world that <laughs> that, that happens out. what happens is the <laughs> the banks pay each other money is the interbank uh, lending is at negative right. rates right. Uh, not the um, not the you know your hundred dollars is still hundred dollars right? right your thousand your dollars is still thousand dollars but that basically means that the effective difference on the amount that they are paying yeah making from us versus the amount that they're paying out, yep. that is now trying to sh- starting to shrink because they've got no leverage on the other side.
1: Right, so in the good old days, <laughs> the banks would take our money and they'd give us 1% and they'd lend it to somebody else at 3%, pick some numbers, and that gives them a 2% profit margin on that cash. They then pay their costs out of that, call it half a percent worth of costs, they end up with a 1.5% difference. So you're three three minus one minus you 0.5 for costs, they make 1.5% on all that money, and they call it the net, net interest margin. In other words, what's left for shareholders as a, as a proportion of the total amount being shoveled through the banks. When the 3% loan rate, the 1% sort of savings rate come down by half a percent, you can still say, okay, well, we'll lend we'll at 2.5 and, and we'll pay you half a percent so we maintain our margins. And then at 2 and 0, that works. But as you say, mate, when you get down below then, if rates come from 2.5 to 1.5, or 2 to 1.5, I should say, and you can't cut the saving rate any further, there's not much choice, but for that margin to be compressed, you take some costs out, they're desperately trying to do that. But as you rightly point out, if you can't cut lower your the cost of your own borrowing, in other words, what you're paying to save is any further, what do you do?
2: Yeah, so I think the banks are in a tough spot. And and given that you know they also borrow money from overseas, um, yeah. they might actually have to pay up to borrow from overseas. There's all the factors about uh, the currency as well.
1: Uh, is this the one thing that saves them? I mean, the fact that the US is actually cutting by half and we're cutting by a quarter that actually does help them at least in the short term right because the yeah. wholesale rates go down faster yeah. than the mortgage rates here
2: yeah so yeah but i mean there's but there's a whole heap of um you know currency too like you know they'll be, they'll be borrowing in say u.s dollars returning back in you know and then try to return back that again in u.s Man. dollars and depends on what the currencies they're gonna they're probably all, all hedge and things like that but yeah i mean it's it's a it's a it's a bad it's a it's a difficult time for the banks Isn't to it? make money. And, and you're, uh, you're
1: crying in your conflict about it too, aren't you? You're d- terribly upset that the banks are making money. I am very money.
2: upset that the banks <laughs> are you know, I am so upset. You know, so you, the, here's the funny thing, right? The Westpac, mm. uh, well, CBA, I'm just looking at CBA right now, it's selling at 60, almost 16, you know, or 15.8. You know, that might look historically cheap or historically Well, I want to say
1: even. the banks are, I read something yesterday or the day before, banks are at eight year lows, apparently, share price wise.
2: Yeah. But, you know, they could go lower given the, the propensity at which rates are being cut. There's going to be no room. Th- then their net interest margin compression is a very real problem that they've got. Um, uh, they've got less opportunities for growth. You know, how do you grow? They, mm. You can take share from each other. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a not a happy time to be a bank shareholder.
1: Yeah, that's right. And this is, I mean, we've talked about this with travel companies a little bit too to some degree. You've got to look at these businesses and say, where does the you know, what, what does the future look like? To some degree, rates aren't going up anytime soon. And so, whatever compression, margin compression happens now, yes, they're getting a little bit of extra relief from US rates being lower than, or the cut being bigger, I should say. So, to some degree, they're passing on a quarter of a percent. Their costs are going down faster on their wholesale funding. The retail funding, though, as you've already, already mentioned, mate, I don't know anyone who's getting interest these days on, the, on their cash. I mean, you've got to have six figures in a bank account to get interest if it's at call. And if, you, you know, if you're if you putting it in a term deposit, you might get, was it now? It must be, Is it less than two now? It must be. I've had a term deposit for a long time, but it's got to be less than two. It's probably it's like
2: cuts. one point something. right? one point
1: so. eight, maybe. I so, man, talk about, look and and well, this is not supposed to be an ad, by the way. But I'll tell you what: if you're in cash right now and you're not investing in shares, dividend-paying shares, even the uh, well, not the banks, but even even some of the kind of usual suspects, if you can get three, four, or five percent plus franking credits from a lot of them having cash in the bank is an expensive way to avoid air quotes risk right risk is supposed to be volatility well you know what's a bigger risk is only getting 2% or one point something percent of your money and trying to live off that I feel terribly sorry for savers who you know we cut rates here we cut rates because we think it's good for the economy um, sometimes the media and frankly I think I probably am guilty of it too we, we think about mortgages we think about you know that impact that part of the economy we don't think about the poor old savers who are all of a sudden have got less money to put back into the economy because their their paychecks basically being cut every time rates go down
2: I just agree with you. I just agree with everything that
1: you were saying. That, that's that's how people know that something's wrong.
2: Oh, nothing's wrong. <laughs> the banks are just in a hard place. Should we move on? Yeah. All
1: right. Real money advice
0: from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
1: Mate, let's go back to share price. We spent a lot of time on the background for, for good reason. We talked a bit about the banks. That was, fun. that was kind of fun. And travel stocks and toilet paper companies, all you... Decline to recommend people buy toilet paper companies.
2: I strongly re- I recommend against. I <laughs> don't
1: know what's wrong with you. <laughs> um, I just joke yesterday, maybe we should go long toilet paper companies now and then sell them just so the stock gets back on the shelf Maybe we can make a bit of money. I'm, I'm kidding. Please don't do that. Um, so a couple of big names in finance, mate, um, during the last couple of days even. Howard Marks, who runs a mob called Oak Tree Capital, has become kind of a, a, you know, a core celeb among the, the value investing crowd. Jeremy Siegel, who has got to be about one hundred and sixteen by now, is he's been feels like he's been around forever. <laughs> Do yeah. you write uh, Common Stocks, and Uncommon Profits? Was that Siegel? I think that's Siegel. Well, or yeah. the wrong one? In any case, yeah, uh, one of one of the it's, it's almost an t- investing textbook. It's it's that mm. often read, quoted, recommended. It's just one of those. He's one of those guys that people should be listening to, even if you don't agree with him, just because he's a, a smart, thoughtful guy. Now, it, it, <laughs> if you, if you believe these guys have something to offer, both this week to differing degrees, saying. Just stop you freaking out. It's okay to go and buy stocks. In fact, the headline in the AFR from from about Howard Marks, he said it's okay to buy, but just a little. And then Jeremy Siegel was saying, for the love of God, stop freaking out about short term profit hits. So tell us a little bit about the Jeremy Siegel one first.
2: Yeah. So what what Siegel basically was making Siegel is professor at Wharton um, in the U.S. And you know, again, what he's basically saying is, look, if you think about stock prices as essentially the sum of the discounted cash flows into the future Mm -hmm. if you assume that the stocks were fair now there's a big assumption the stocks were fairly priced prior to the big drop Um, then his point was that while you know how much is the current year's earnings worth, they're worth about 10%
1: Right okay, so, to, or take. so just to, to, to sort of spell this out, if you're going to do a calculation, use the old discounted cash flow method. We've got a question on that later for Malba. Yes. Here's a spoiler. Um, if you're going to use a discounted cash flow, we talked about this a bit last week actually as well. When you when you add up all the future profits and by the time you discounted some of them back, the first year of profits is, is worth about 10% of whatever valuation you come up with. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: So, uh, and, and, and therefore what he's saying is let's assume that they're going to go to zero. Ouch. Right. Now that sounds bad. <laughs> that would
1: be bad. Yeah, that would be bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's bad. But it only takes out ten percent of the value. It takes down right. the value by ten percent. Okay, yeah, yeah, If okay. a stock has corrected by thirty percent, forty percent, assuming that the previous valuation was somewhere near the fair value, yes, it should be like you know on top of your radar in terms of buying. So like you know when you were saying right, like right. you know, you bought some travel stock. I mean that sort of argument. If you believed you know that, three weeks ago, four yeah. weeks ago, five yeah. weeks ago, they were good price. Well, then what Jeremy Siegel is saying is that, well, you know, you shouldn't be that freaked out about yeah. this year's earnings. Of course, the assumption here is that you're only worried about this year's earnings. You're not worried yeah. about an ongoing economic slowdown. You're not worried about the entire sort of, you know, the next five years changing somehow dramatically. Yeah, yeah, that's important. If you take that view, yeah. then, you know, he's saying, well, you know, um, corrections are good. They happen. They give you opportunity to buy stuff at a lower price. Right. If you're a net buyer of stocks, then, you know, lower is good. Uh, and yeah, he was out trying to okay. um, uh, convince people um, on CNBC right. uh, to buy stocks.
1: So if the Scott and Doc Podcast Corporation was fairly dated at 10 bucks, and we decided this year we were going to have the year off because uh, we both are going to go to the Bahamas or you're going to go to maybe, where would you go? You go to Cupertino maybe? Go and visit Apple? Yeah. Oh, i might go visit Warren at Omaha. So we, we'll, take, we'll take the rest of the year off. Yeah. And, and, and the $10 stock that was fairly priced Will be worth nine dollars because there's no profit this year because we decided to take a sabbatical. But if the stock's selling for six bucks, all of a sudden, because people freak out that oh my god, Scott and Doc aren't doing the podcast anymore, that's terrible. (laughs) Let's let's sell off the shares of the Scott and Doc Podcast Corporation. As long as we can get all of our listeners back in year two, the ten dollar stock is at fair value should be worth nine. So if it's selling for six, it's it's a it's a bargain. That is that the is that the. That's the basic idea.
2: Okay. Right. And I think there's a very good argument for that, and you know, and there are other ways in which we know. We just said that you know, Webjet looks cheap, for example. Right. If you think about it, sort of fourteen times of uh, a trailing 14, 15 times trailing earnings. But this is a
1: grow like a fast growing business. It's a fast growing without, business Without, without now, coronavirus. Without anyway. coronavirus.
2: <laughs> now, of course, that fourteen times trailing earnings is going to actually look when they report the half year. It's probably going to look like 20, 25 times trailing earnings. Right. But. The way to think about that is, what is the normalized earnings for this business, right? You don't want to think about the coronavirus is, is a one-off, yeah. assuming it is a one-off. So, I mean, again, there's, 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 there's an argument that there are a number of uh, stocks that would be, um, you mm-hmm. know, great value when things sell off. So, yeah. Uh,
1: makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, making,
2: uh, nibbling some here and there makes <laughs> sense.
1: Now, Howard Marks of Oak Tree Capital, so again, the guy's kind of, he, he's, he's required reading by, by a certain group of investors. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily count myself of that group, but I do like listening to what he's got to say, and I've certainly read his book. Um, he said a couple of things. I want, I'll give you a couple of quotes, mate, from the, from the fin today, I think it was. He says, uh, so first quote, intelligent investing has to be based, as always, on the relationship between price and value. In other words, not will the collapse go further, but rather has the collapse to date caused security priced right, or are they overpriced or have they become cheap? Which is kind of what Siegel's saying to some degree. And really your point about if it was fair value to start with or is it fair value now? So it's it's a it's not have they fallen or will they fall or how far have they fallen, but simply based on the current price, is that attractive or not?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I broadly agree with that. There is, you know, here's the thing, right? Mm. When I look at the stocks, the uh, I make sort of, if I'm buying, right? If there's like a sale going on, then what i really try to think about is well the sale is every company's on sale yeah
1: right
2: which is the best one that i can <laughs> buy on sale yeah right? that's a really and that might point. not necessarily be a travel stock largely yes. because as i talked about this you know this deferral thing right there'll be certain businesses where yeah. things you know things are not discretionary or people are going to buy there is kind of like a recurring revenue type of behavior yeah. right and uh, uh, you know i'll give you a good example suppose you know people are not buying iPhones because they couldn't get to the store that is just pent up demand that's gonna show up in the next quarter or the subsequent quarter, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's it's deferral in that sense, which yeah. means yeah. it's gonna get a boost later on. Yeah. Travel, if I was gonna to travel to Singapore or, or, or Thailand in this case, and I didn't go, well, that travel is gonna disappear. Right. So You're so, fly
1: home or you're gonna yeah, not travel this year at all or something or else. Or you something
2: like well, you know, basically I was gonna travel during the school holidays, right? right? And if the school holidays disappear, yeah. I'm gonna do the travel next yeah. year like I yeah. usually do, but this year's travel is not gonna get pushed out
1: yeah so the next two years you're going to take one overseas holiday rather than two overseas two, holidays exactly right.
2: so so my you know when the sale happens what I try to do is I try to see well you know everything has been sold off if everything has been sold off then there's a relative value question yes. uh, uh, to think about and I have it. I have a preference this is a personal preference towards those where I see that there's a pent up demand yeah. uh, assuming again there's some mispricing going
1: on there's also a quality question too I would assume so I'm going to put words in your mouth a little bit just, just for just for fun but also because I think I, I think I know I'm right but tell me if I'm wrong um, Yeah, the, the thing about the falls too is you'd rather buy Apple if it fell 10% rather than the banks if they fell 50% yeah, that, that's right. So there's right. still, there yeah. still a question of like, don't buy the one that's fallen the furthest, or just because it's fallen doesn't make it a, a better investment than another option. Yeah, it's all still a, it's got to be still a relative value question, not a not a size of the fall question.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's true. Like I, I mean, like you know, I think Webjet is again. I think Webjet. I come back to Webjet because you know, um, I think it's an interesting example. You know, definitely not comparable in terms of quality to Apple, but it's a great company. Yeah, sure. It's it's a great company. It's doing, it's growing really it's well. It's, really it's, well, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's growing really well. It's got, uh, you know, an, a leader who is, um, um, you know, vested and interested and growing the business has, has got a track record. So, you, you know, yes, not Apple, not Apple quality, but, a good company and yeah. at a good price, right? Yeah. So I mean, again, I think these are these are relative things. But yeah, I would not buy the banks. There's a price at which I'd buy anything. <laughs> of course, uh, there's a price for everything, right? Um,
1: do you, yeah. I have to ask you this, mate. How just because you said it, how much cheaper would the banks have to be for you to buy them? Just, I, 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 well, maybe well here's the thing, the right? Spot. If I'm the banks are
2: selling at or oh, eight times earnings,
1: yeah, I'd buy them. Okay, eight
2: eight so times earnings, and then, then I'll, I'll third, sell 12, them at thirteen now. Uh, yeah, they're about 12, 13 now. Because I'd buy them at I, about 8 and sell them at 16. So, kind
1: 30% fall in the banks and you're going to be filling your boots? Well,
2: depends. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? If the banks fall by that much,
1: yeah, that's the problem.
2: WebJet probably would have fallen by. So much more, right? I mean, yeah, as yeah, an example. Yeah. And then and at that point, Webjet would look like, okay, this is like almost slam dunk. Nothing is a slam dunk in yeah, yeah. In, in the stock market. But yeah. that's the thing, right? I mean, the thing is that when something falls that much, something else also falls. And then again there's a relative right, right, right. relative question.
1: Yeah, yeah. you you and you're right. You you know, the question isn't just you know, do you buy do you buy something that's fallen because it's fallen. The yeah. question is simply over the available decision group, is this the best place to put money?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, think
1: that's, I think that's an important one. And so to that point, and this is interesting too, so Marx says buy but buy a little bit. So he was agreeing with you and agreeing with with Siegel to some degree. But he also says, and this is interesting, uh, the US stock market is down at 13% from the top. That's a big decline. It would be a lot to accept that the US business world and the cash flows it will produce are worth 13% less. Now, we're agreed so far. The difference is, though, he says, quote, I think the stock market was overvalued two weeks ago, somewhat. That means I think today, even with the short-term prospects of business somewhat diminished, it's closer to fairly valued, but not necessarily a giveaway, which is kind of at a market level, almost what you were saying about some of those other companies. Is simply, you know, just because it's fallen doesn't mean it's worth buying. That's why he's saying, that it, in his view, while the event itself is exogenous to the overall valuation kind of, it's not like the market all of a sudden decided to change its valuation methodology, but simply the external shock of coronavirus has, to him at least, bought the market back down to a level he thinks is fairer than it was a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think he makes a fair fair comment there. I, I mean, we've, we've talked about this. The markets overall, it's not just the US markets. The markets worldwide look expensive. And the, yep. in the, any place where the market is not expensive, there's, there, there are other reasons. So like a parts of emerging mark, emerging world markets are not expensive, mm-hmm. but they've got, like serious growth issues in many parts of those emerging worlds. So like, you know, you can buy, for example, stocks from uh, um, the Indian subcontinent. Right. But but then India is really yeah. contracting at this point, right? So, I mean, so I think that that's, hard, that's, the, that's the consideration, yeah, right? So, yeah. and then the other factor is like, I mean, you know, we think of stocks and we sort of use, a, it's very common. One of the arguments that I hear again and again and again and again about stocks is, oh, if I look at the historic PE, mm-hmm. then... Things are expensive. (laughs) Yes, but the historic PE was at interest rates at X percent, uh, GDP growth at Y percent, um, the economy being more tangible versus intangible driven at that point, etc., etc., etc. Right? Yeah. Underlying factors have changed. You can't assume that the average, Mm which is just the average, is going to hold. So, um, yeah, my view is that yeah, I think I agree with uh, Howard Marks. I think the market was. More or less, or is more or less in the fair value range. Yeah. Um, the only th- factor, I think, is I think how long rates are going to stay this low is is I think the sort of the
1: wild card. Yeah. Right, mate. That's a really good place for us to get to our next and our favourite segment, shall we? Let's do it. <laughs>
0: Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash
1: triple M. All right, we have a little bit of time left. Not too much time. Probably time for one, maybe a second question if we're quick. We'll see how quick we can be. Do you reckon we do a mailbag episode this Sunday? You can. Okay? I don't know. Are we keen? I'm we're always keen. keen. We are pretty keen, we? are very keen. We'll do a mailbag episode this Sunday, fool. So get your listening ears on. Make sure your podcast feed is up to date. If you're listening to this and you haven't yet subscribed, spoiler alert, I'll say it later, please subscribe now and that way... It'll drop in your feed as soon as you do it. If you do not subscribe to any podcast yet, start. Apple Podcasts on the iPhone. Um, there's plenty of podcast apps. A Pocket Cast is the one I use for Android. Um, whatever your preferred poison, grab yourself a podcast app. Subscribe to the Triple M Motley for Money podcast to make sure you get this Sunday's mailbag, which is going to be lots of fun. I've already seen some of those questions. But before we do, mate, I've got time for a couple. Let's do it. The first one's from Adam. Is, hey, lads, I really love all podcasts. Ha-ha, <laughs> loophole. Adam, have a good hard look at yourself, dude. Seriously. <laughs> I, is it a loophole? Yes. Does it make us happy? No. Of course it doesn't make us happy. Now, if you are if you don't have listened to this before, we've always said we don't need people to say nice things about us, but frankly, it helps. And you're more likely get your question answered. If you do say something nice and leave us a rating, Adam, you're really not cutting the mustard, dude. But because I'm a nice bloke, I'll give you a free pass just this once and Doc's a nice bloke too. And so, you know, we'll do the right thing for you. If you try it again, there will be trouble. All right. With the ever-increasing amount of money going into ETFs or exchange-traded funds, do you see a time when it starts to distort the prices of companies as they move in and out of the more popular indices, i.e. the S&P 500 or the ASX 200? Is there anything in place to prevent this happening? If not, can you see a point where listed investment companies, on average... Start to outperform ETFs as they will be able to take advantage of the distortions caused on ma- caused by mass on mass market start again. Caused by on mass mindless trading. Try saying that three times quickly. And then he says, Doc, don't give in to the Instagram peer pressure. Disagree, Adam. I got rid of all social media a few years ago and the stress and nonsense in my life dropped about 90%. <sighs> Adam, you're very lucky I've been reading this question, mate. He says, thanks for all the content, fellas. I've been listening for a few years now and really enjoy the banter and opposing opinions. Nothing worse than a finance podcast where the hosts are constantly saying how right each other are. Well, you will know on this podcast that we don't do that. Keep up the good work, full on Adam. Now, Adam, as I said, last warning, mate. Try it again, there'll be trouble. So, interesting kind of couple of things going on here, mate. He doesn't ask about passive, do you move to passive in general, but I might throw that in for you. So, start for me with the... ETFs obviously track individual indices or most of the big ones do and to some degree we know that companies get added and subtracted from let's let's use the Australian market the ASX 200 we see companies added and subtracted from that about once a quarter the S&P does what they call a rebalance they say let's take these companies out because they no longer meet our size or volume or success criteria and let's put these other companies in to some degree that creates a whole lot of trading in both those groups of companies because if you're following the index you've got to sell out the ones that are being dropped you've got to buy the ones that are coming in Adam's saying, does does that create mindless trading? Does that give us an opportunity?
2: Yeah, Adam, mate, that's actually a really good question. And thanks for the advice on Instagram. I plan to not be on social media, uh, uh, except for Twitter. Uh, Twitter is the exception I make. Um, Adam, you're in trouble. Uh, Adam is being a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, this, is a, this is a question a lot of people think about. I actually don't have a lot of expertise to talk about this. I do think what happens is... The um, the passive investing actually creates additional trading, mm. right? Because I mean, in theoretically suppose you have the ASX 200, everything is proportional to the capitalization at market capitalization at um, say day zero, yeah, right. But if one stock goes up by two percent and the other goes down by one percent, you actually need to account for that, right? Yeah. So so there's some buying and selling that can get. I guess exasperate, uh, you know, that can actually have a multiplier effect when the market is trading up or down in uh, significantly. Right, right. Does it distort the market a lot? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I, I think there's the speed with which things happen has partly to do with this additional trades that come from the so-called passive uh, world. That's yeah. That's sort of. Uh, one side of the view. Um,
1: So is there an opportunity there for someone to capitalize on index changes, do you reckon? I'm not really sure.
2: Like, I mean, in terms of as an investor? Yeah. Well, one of the things too, I guess if you believe that, again, these are really hard. If you believe that the market is actually hyper-correcting on the upside or, you know, hyper, Mm. the movements are hyper on the upside and the downside, then maybe there's something you can do with that you know maybe you thought the market should fall by two percent but it actually fell by four percent because of all these other external factors then maybe that's an opportunity you can capitalize on but you know i think uh, as as long-term investors i think it is um probably not worth it like i mean it's really hard to get this right mm. and it's going to be hard to beat the algorithmic um, the algorithms and the yeah. machines and the bots that are doing this i think the, the bots have a field day when things go up and down 4% right yeah. or 5% yeah. um yeah i mean it, it, again i think some of this trading looks bizarre and mm. it is bizarre um <laughs> because i think on one of those days uh, Apple, which is like a $1.3, $1.4 four trillion dollar company, went up by nine percent. That's bizarre. That right? is bizarre because yeah. there's no way there was that much <laughs> new information out <laughs> right. about there was
1: not. It no went up way. by the value of a whole Commonwealth Bank, right?
2: Yeah. How does the <laughs> how does the value of Apple go up by nine yeah. percent? In one
1: day, With nothing that, company specific.
2: Nothing company specific, even nothing world specific, right? right, right I mean, right. that. Is got to be something to do with how the <laughs> algorithms are behaving. So, so, uh, but can you capitalize on that? I really don't know. I mean, uh, unless you're really a trader going in and out, and mm. uh, then too, I don't know how you'd capitalize on it. So, I don't, I don't know. But maybe you can capitalize on downsides. Is all the only thing I can say.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree, mate. Look, I, I you know, th- there's no evidence that uh, being added or subtracted from the index makes a meaningful difference. And even if it did, you'd have to be there first. And so as you say, Doc, the chance that the computer's already picked it up at you know, 10 o'clock and 25 seconds. Um, you, you, you If you happen to already have owned those stocks and they got added, maybe you might make some money. But, I mean, that would be a, a guessing game of immense proportions. It, you know, the, the, the changes could potentially excuse me, be larger over time if and when more money goes into passive ETFs because there's more money has to chase those stocks. And so it could unbalance or create an imbalance of supply and demand for very short periods of time, but you had to be there already, right? You so a bit like earnings. Um, excuse me. By the time bad earnings have come out, it's like to do anything about it. You just you know you if you already own the shares, you stuffed. If you didn't own the shares, well, you're okay. But the idea that you could somehow get in before everybody else on the news is almost impossible. There are some small companies that are underfollowed. Maybe you can get have a chance at that, but it's it's really really unlikely. Um, it's one of those things where. The effort and to do it, and the potential upside are just really, really imbalanced. Uh, you're better off just investing for the long term and kind of being done with it. Quite honestly, I think you know if if the market does what the market does to try and somehow creep an extra fraction of a percentage point once a year on, on a company or a couple of companies feels a whole lot, a bit like hard work to me. Doc.
2: Yeah, look, yeah, I, I think it's really tough. And again, that's not a game that I try to play because it's just a game that's really hard and (laughs) it's 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 a game that i think the small investor the retail investor can't really win yeah it's the decks are stacked up against you in this case but yeah maybe you know if if something drops so i mean i used an example of plus nine percent but if something dropped by plus ten percent and by ten percent maybe that's an opportunity that you can think of jumping onto but that's but even that you know those things (laughs) get corrected very quickly so um yeah i don't know how Unfortunately,
1: Yeah. Adam, I've got to say, like for, for most people, to Doc's point, the, the investing is not zero-sum, which is wonderful, right? We can all make money because share prices go up over time. You're not having to try and do a deal with somebody else. If you're engaging in any sort of activity where you're trying to beat somebody else to something, the chance that a, that a, that a retail investor wins in a zero-sum game is just – it gets close enough to zero to be zero. Um, someone's got a bigger computer, a faster access, more information – uh, the, the retail investor's biggest advantage is simply time arbitrage. And we, we say that all the time. It's, it's something you really can't say enough because, you know, when, when you've got fund managers out there trying to get three-month, six-month targets or impress people over a very short periods of time, if you've got the time to let things play out, uh, doctors about the long-term results of, of Apple, for example. I mean, you know, in three-month installments, there'll be good and bad times. Maybe you were sold out of Apple at some point because you thought the shares were overpriced and maybe you didn't buy back in and the shares jumped and, the ability just to be in it and let the let time do its thing is just a huge, huge advantage. I think that's a much bigger advantage than trying to chase the uh, index rebalancing. All right, mate, I got a question from Megan. I assume it's Megan, but Megan, Megan or Megan. Um, always love hearing from the ladies who are listening to us. Thank you for getting here. I'm going to assume it's Megan, but feel free to correct me. Um, we love women investing. It's really, really important. For too long, it's been a male-dominated thing. So if you're out there and you're female listening to us, firstly, thank you. Um, Secondly, congratulations. And thirdly, please tell your friends, um, even if they don't listen to our podcast, just get them investing. Whatever you can do to get them investing is a huge, huge, huge benefit for them. As you well know, hopefully by now, um, our, our, our desire... It won't happen anytime soon, unfortunately, it would be to have as many women as men in the investing markets. Um, hot tip, blokes the girls actually do a better job than we do, the research says. So maybe I shouldn't be hoping that for it. it. Maybe I'll market do myself out of a, of a job and we'll see how we go. Yeah, All right, these are my stock, Doc. Please only sign free newsletter, newsletter mailbag.com.au like forward um, slash triple M. Dumb luck, actually. I should have read, read this first, shouldn't I, doc? I've been listening to your podcast for a bit now and I'm really enjoying the information. Um, I'm ready to start investing in stocks. Excellent. Only on a small scale. I want to set up a ComSec account. I have my own cash and already use ComBank. Which account would you recommend starting with and why? And she also says, can you also recommend another account that's not with ComSec? That would be great. Thanks again and full on, Megan. Megan, awesome questions. Welcome to the game. Uh, you've picked an interesting time to be investing. I would bet though, uh, that if you're putting money into the market over the next you know weeks and months, it might be a scary and volatile place to start. But... A, you'll learn a few things along the way, some experiences that other people don't get in their first year of investing. And also two, I have a sneaking suspicion that it might be a good time to be putting money into the market. So we'll see how we go. Doc, ComSec or ComBank, what sort of account setup should Megan do? do you, you don't use ComSec. Maybe I'll take that, but you do the extra bit. Would that make more sense? Yeah. All right. So I use ComSec, so I'm probably, uh, i probably better be trying to answer that and make Doc answer it. Um, they, so ComSec do uh, have a, com, a combined um, bank account and trading deal. You get cheaper trades if you settle your trades through their Commonwealth Direct Investment Account or CDIA for short. That's what I've got. Um, a, because it's separate, it's you know it's cheaper trades, which is always good. The other thing is too, I, I'm a huge, huge proponent of having a separate investment bank account. If you try and have your trades coming out of your own transaction account and dividends go in there and then you try and make sure you don't accidentally spend the money and you try and remember to make sure you invest and all that kind of stuff. It's just humanity... We just don't do very well at that stuff. It's really, really hard to do. By putting a structure in place, a a pre-commitment device of sorts, you put your regular investing cash in a separate account and you settle your trades from there. When you buy shares, it goes out of there. When you sell shares, it goes back in. Dividends go back in. It quarantines that money from your everyday spending and bill paying. So I I have a Commonwealth Direct Investment Account, CDIA, linked to my Comsec account. It gives me cheaper trades than if I didn't. uh, And it's a really helpful and useful way of doing it. Uh, I don't use Combank for anything else. I don't have any Combank shares, so there's no conflict there. I've just, I, I frankly, I, I use Comsec because about how long ago, Doc? Twenty years ago, uh, Comsec bought TD Ameritrade, who or TD Waterhouse they were called at the time in Australia, and so I became a Comsec customer. Um, I've been very happy with them ever since. They are not the cheapest. Uh, I don't know if they're the best necessarily, but they're really user friendly. It's a simple, easy to use platform, and I'm, I'm a bit of a fan. So uh, that's why I recommend Comsec. Just I think it's a very, very easy, straight down the line. Offering to use, very you know, as I said, very middle of the road. Not the cheapest, not the most expensive. It's not the best, not the worst. It's just good, user friendly. Lots of good detail. Lots of a customer service can be hard to get onto, but they've been always very helpful. I've never had any problems dealing with them. All right, Doc. That's a bit of an unpaid ad. We should we should send Comsec the bill. Um, other than Comsec, what should Megan consider?
2: Um, so I, I don't use ComSec. I have an, a ComSec account, but I, I don't actually, I'm not actually buying and selling anything in it. It's actually got no stocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you know, but I have I have a ComBank account and that's why I have, I have a CDIA account as well. <laughs> Again, with nothing in it. Um, uh, I've used different platforms. I, I've used... Uh, and I still have I only use it infrequently. Uh, St. George's uh, Direct Trading Account, again, like the platform is very similar to the platform at Comsec. comsec's platform is just as good. Um, St. George's platform, uh, it's called Shares. that's also good. Um, then I use uh, Saxo Bank, uh, which allows, uh, which has the ability to trade at Thirty or thirty-five different uh, markets around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I use them. There, as, as you can you can choose your base currency and whatever money you transfer to. They do the conversions in the background if you're buying foreign stocks, um, and if you're buying, they're also one of the cheaper ones in terms of trade cost in on the ASX. Right. Um, they do have an account keeping fee, an account management fee, which is like point one two percent of your total account balance, mm. but it does not actually count, and I might be I'm 99% sure about this, I might not be 100% sure, but they don't count uh, your your cash balance, I believe, and your ASX stocks actually in that Oh, wow, okay. Uh, um, in that mix. That's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, and then for other stuff, like for international trading, I also use Charles Schwab. So they're different, different accounts uh, for different things I should find sex are quite the interface is not that great, but I find it useful because, again, the flexibility of having, uh, I guess, everything at one place through an easy to use, relatively easy to use platform yeah. with relatively low costs. Uh, but yeah, as I said, the costs come with with the there's, there's other hidden costs <laughs> in the form of so uh, maybe <laughs> there's always a catch. There's always a catch, uh, but yeah, I, I think the, e- the ease of use is is good and and they've got good customer service. So it's oh, is yeah, so they the, you know they would pick up the phone, they answer your emails, and things like that. So yeah, different different options. Again, we have no relationships with any, any of them. Uh, make that clear. And um, again, they're just what I use.
1: Very good. Uh, good advice there A couple of options for you what was the what was the NAB you said the other one we used? no so direct shares is from st george ah oh, st. Uh, right, st george st cool. george um,
2: yeah again the, as a platform is very similar to uh, the complex platform
1: so there's three but, options for you megan i got to say i i like can't not because i it's my suggestion but i'd go with the one you've already got if you're already with the bank it might just be easiest frankly setting up the accounts probably easier um, I reckon, on particularly you're getting started. Whether you, if you're always St. George, use theirs. If you're with ComSec, I'd say come back. I'd say probably use theirs. But um, there's other options for you as well if you like them. Now that almost wraps us up, mate. But we've got to give the socials a yell, don't we? Uh, sure. One, Instagram or Facebook? Which one do you reckon?
2: Whichever one you want. <laughs> I'm not going to be on any of them
1: (laughs) All right, let's start with Twitter because Doc's on Twitter he is at Anirban Mahanti if you want to get in touch with Doc uh, follow him see what he's got to say have a chat Anirban Mahanti or at Anirban Mahanti as the cool kids say I'm at TMF Scott P that's the Motley Fool TMF Scott P or the Motley Fool's account is at the Motley Fool AU surprisingly enough so you can hit us up on any of those direct message or uh, include us quote us Um, use our handle in a tweet whatever the cool kids do uh, speaking of cool kids, Instagram is another option. Now you can't get doc on Instagram yet, but feel free to use the hashtag get doc on Insta. It's uh, not, not exactly taken off just yet, but I'm I'm doing my best, giving it giving a red hot go. As are some of our listeners. To be fair, so thank you for those who've who've had a had a go at getting doc on Insta. Uh, I'm again at TMF Scott P, and the Motley Fool is again at the Motley Fool AU. That's pretty straightforward. And on Facebook, if you want to, I'm Scott Phillips Money, all one word or we are The Motley Fool Australia, again, unsurprisingly. Hit us up with a question, comment, feedback. If you need to, if you want to, if you must, you can use email like Adam did for the very last time, Adam, unless you lift your game. Uh, and you can do it at info at fool.com.au. All right, mate, now as we mentioned earlier, if our listeners are not already, they should subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or their favourite Android podcast app, And again, Pocket Casts, if you're looking for one, Google Podcasts is good too. Um, Plenty of others choose the one that works for you. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends. We're sure that the world can be a little bit better off, even in the age of coronavirus, with a little bit more foolishness at the same time. And of course, you can get a dose of foolishness straight to your inbox by going to fool.com.au forward slash triple M, M. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll be back next week with another dose of Foolish Insight.